0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, we've got a returning guest this week who was a real hit last time, Zaman Kesh. Zaman is an Iranian-American filmmaker who has worked with such artists as Basement Jacks, Calvin Harris, Psycho, Placebo, and what appears to be a band that's just three exclamation marks that I guess is just pronounced... Hey, you know what? I'm hip, I'm cool, I know what the young people are into. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss today. Instead, we're going to be talking about his recent ketamine treatment. A while ago, Saman reached out to me asking if this was something I'd like to cover on the show, and yeah, this is absolutely something that I think would make for a very interesting show. Now, with that said, I do want to emphasize that we are talking about Saman's treatment here. This is neither a defense nor a condemnation of ketamine treatments. I also want to emphasize this is not something that is often used for treating ADHD specifically, but it has been proven effective as an off-label treatment for a variety of mental health disorders, including depression, anxiety, PTSD, and trauma. I also want to say if ketamine treatment is something that is interest of you, I strongly advise you do so with medical supervision. This isn't stuff to just play around with. Perhaps at some point I'll work on an episode from a more treatment perspective, but for now we're just talking about Simon's experience. Also to note for this episode is that we did talk for quite a long time, and so I decided that I'm going to split the episode into two parts, so watch out for that next part next week. Taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should at least be simple. That's why for probably the last seven or eight years, I've been drinking AG1 every day. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. And it's just that easy. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. And I know that with my ADHD, it can be really hard to keep up with those habits that support my day. With AG1, I know I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support with vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from whole foods. I like to think of it as nutritional insurance. It's the way I know I'm covering my nutritional bases right from the start of the day. Even when I'm traveling like I did recently for the International ADHD Conference, it's easy for me to follow through with my intentions of giving my body what it needs with those AG1 travel packs. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've been partnered with them for so long. So, if you want to take ownership over your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com. adhd That's drinkag1.com. adhd Check it out. I also wanted to let you know that I'm finally going to be starting up my newsletter. Maybe you've been to my website and seen that little box asking for your email and thought, hey, that sounds cool, only to have never gotten anything from your email from me. Well, this Friday, that changes as I release the first edition of Any and All Distractions, where I bring you the top things of the week that have caught my attention from the world of ADHD and beyond. If that sounds like something that you'd like in your inbox, just head over to hackingyouradhd.com newsletter and sign up. That's hackingyouradhd.com newsletter for any and all distractions. All right, keep on listening to find out how to stay out of the hole.
1: So last time we talked that I was going into ketamine therapy, which is like a six session kind of program with a doctor here in LA. You know, I've had a few friends, some people in entertainment, some people not that worked with this guy. I think when I talked to you last, I interviewed him and he kind of told me how it works and stuff. But it was quite an experience. The goal was to do every two weeks that just things would get in the way. So I'd say, but within about two months, I did all six sessions. And, you know, what was really fascinating to me, I'm used to doing, I have my stimulants, my Vyvanse, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been used to stimulants since I guess I was 12. I took a little break, but, you know, I'm used to that kind of up the sort of kind of thing. And with psychedelics, you kind of get that same sort of energized nervous system thing. But- I was not expecting this and I knew the science of it, like it's a tranquilizer, you know what I mean? It it was in in large doses, that's what you tranquilize like horses and rhinos with and shit, (laughs) you know? So I was like, but I just thought like it, you know maybe it's like weed or it makes you woozy. Like I knew how strong it would be, but I thought that I could compare, I could say it's just an on crack version of whatever this is. Yeah. And, you know, just for people to know, like ketamine is the treatment is used for on a therapeutic level and medicinal level. It's used to treat people with like PTSD, people who, you know, victims of assault and things like that. And eventually it kind of moved into like war veterans who were like claiming they could feel their arms still with phantom pain pain. And it just kind of started to grow. And then, you know, like a lot of the other psychedelics and things like that, it just started to help lots of different people with addiction and things like that. But what makes this unique from like the acid or, you know, shrooms or whatever is that it kind of shuts your executive function off. And I'm like, that's so weird because that's the problem we have. So what's shutting it down going to do? Because basically what he said is that neurotypical brains just basically kind of have like this bubble, it only lasts like 40 minutes, right? It depends Mm -hmm. how you do it. Mine was an injection. Some people like to, it's like a nasal spray, depends how you get it administered. I'd highly recommend under supervision, but you know, there's other ways you can, you can do it based on what states you're in. But when I did it, it was the syringe within like you would do a little countdown meditation kind of thing. And within like, you know, five minutes, you know, you just kind of sink a little bit. But I was told that neurotypical brains basically enter this like 40 minute ADD period. So I was like, well, what do people with ADD do? And it was very interesting. It wasn't like chaos or anything. It didn't go in that territory. But what was interesting was there was, you know, without getting to Hunter S. Thompson here, I feel like every session i learned something different the first session the dose i was like very calm very relaxed it felt like the best kind of anxiety med i've ever okay. had there was like a little bit i could see out the window. And like, it looked like the palm fronds, I think is what they're <laughs> called. They looked like hands. And I was like, has anybody ever noticed that palms look like hands? And like, it was just stuff like that, but it wasn't much, you know, I tried to breathe. I tri- they say that you really have to breathe intense to like really make it kind of work and activate. And it just was okay. And I was like, this is strange. And I kind of, you know, I got all insecure, like something's wrong with me, huh? you know? And, but it was like, fine. And I was like, okay, well, that was pretty expensive. You know, these are expensive sessions. So I went home and I like journaled and I was like, okay. And I, so I came back and we had like a powwow and I was like, let's dose it up. And you know, I didn't say let's dose it up. He said, let's just give you a small dose up. And so he gave me the dose. And I mean, this was probably the worst trip of my life. The second session, it was full on K-hole, which I didn't know. I was in denial that it was K-hole, but it was like, I didn't have faith in myself that I could survive a K-hole, but it was a K-hole. Like everything in my mind was erasing because- I'm not familiar
0: with the term K-hole.
1: K-hole. So a ketamine hole. But it's called the K-hole. And the term K-hole, I don't know when it was originated, but basically it's like a bad trip. Okay. And the way K-holes have bad trips is, again, they're not like other psychedelics where like, you know, people have claimed that, you know how your brain reverses the image from your mm-hmm. optics? Like people have claimed that it's unreversed. And they were living world upside down. Like, like, again, maybe it's the paint in the nose, right? Like it could be maybe here or maybe it's actually happening. Who knows? But I didn't have that part. But that's what a K-hole is. It's just like a term for like this rabbit hole of, whoa, most bad trips are very highly active mind kind of trips, just lots of activity. This was like shutting down And like slowly losing, it kind of felt like maybe dying, I think. I couldn't tell, but it was like, I was losing everything. I didn't remember I had like an assistant. I didn't even remember Nicole, my partner. I didn't remember like love. I think that like allowed me to survive. I just remember going, I loved something, but I thought, I was like just consciousness. I thought, oh, I've already lived that life where I was a person, I think. But what was weird is I was still experiencing the world. Like I was still looking at this ugly ass office tile. I was still laying on this like therapeutic couch. And I just remember kind of going, whoa. And I got up and I sat up and I just was like, this is kind of nuts. And I was like laughing, but it was kind of scaring me. And so basically I like followed the doctor out and he was like, I was like, can I go to the bathroom? And I was like, so I held on his shoulder and it was really scary. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know where I was, but basically what the thing does is it, I obviously can't return from it. And I think I was really sick afterwards. I think the doctor messed up and didn't give me nausea pills, which you're supposed to a lot of people, like you just get dizzy. So I think it was a combination. But basically what it does is it's known to have you disassociate from yourself in like kind of almost like a Buddhist way or something, if you will. Like it just allows you to kind of look at yourself, allows you to kind of talk to yourself without like blockades, without like worry. It's detached. But like, I don't know how to say it in a way that's not cold. But essentially, I think what happened to me was being very like ADD and primal and visceral Mm -hmm. and sensitive, losing, like having my mind kind of boink away from my body, I think that I just didn't expect it. And I think I basically had a panic attack, but because I couldn't interact with my panic attack, I think I just didn't know what what I was experiencing at all. Mm -hmm. And So the science was literally like, I was probably nauseous. I was probably just like worried. And then it became a feedback loop. And it was like, basically I had a panic attack that did not ever feel like a panic attack because I couldn't react to it. So I was just fully distant, disconnected. And I went home and I was like, shit, it was really scary kind of, but I was like, I survived it and I researched it. And I was in denial that I was a K-hole, but I said, look, I'm not as scared of that. Like that was still me. And maybe someone was an idiot and gave me too much or something. I don't know. And so I did my research. I like paused. And then I came back again after a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, this is what I'd like to do. I researched kind of like, you know, I think I'm sensitive. So I think I need like a bump, maybe give me like a half and then like check in on me and then give me another half. And he was like, that's great. You know, like, let's do that. (laughs) It's like crazy LA doctor. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so we did it. And it was the best experience I've had in my entire life. It was just like on a like self level, right? It was, this is all I can say is I walked away and this is kind of the ADD part of it. It was like, it's magic, man. ADD is magic in society. It can be really hard, but there was something really amazing about flowing. And I was like, we need to flow. People with ADD need to flow. Like whether it's giving yourself, if you want to think of it like on an activity level, like giving yourself time to just get lost in nonsense or get distracted watering your plants or (laughs) researching something like rather than it being a task oriented accomplishment, like allowing that sort of hunter brain or whatever it is to like do its thing. Because but what was interesting was it was it was feeding me It was I was able to like roll with things and ask myself questions. And somehow I don't know how to explain it. Everything felt organized, though there was chaos. There was this like, It's like the movie Memento or one of those movies where they go out of order. It's like I could just completely string it into order. Like that was ordered to me. And it was so fascinating to have that part of the brain. Like I think because in consecutive sessions, I'll say they weren't as like eye opening as that. Like I call it session three. They weren't as eye opening as session uh, number three. But. What I did kind of learn was there's something really interesting about removing the rigidity. And I think our executive functions are trained in a way and our brains are wired in this way as people with ADD, depending on also how long you've had it or how long you've known about it or whatever, where we're kind of trying to create a rigidity to stay focused. And yeah. having that just plugged off and away was fascinating because it's like that part didn't exist. Um, of course, the executive function doesn't turn off. I'm sure we would like probably pee our pants or do something, but mm-hmm. it was definitely, there was, uh, I could ask myself questions, for example, and the responses were just immediate, short words and emotional too. Like, so for example, something weird happened where the term inhale, exhale, I didn't know how to say that word. And I remember trying to tell my body when, like I would get kind of worked up. I would say, "Remember, let go," and somehow my brain understood that was inhale, exhale, and it's all I could say to myself and 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 I had these weird moments where the moment I would start to think too much or get scattered and a little overwhelmed by it, I would just say, "Remember, let go," and it was just fascinating that it kept happening that way. I would not remember the logical word and I would have an emotional association. And I remember what I learned with, you know, therapy and things like that, especially when I had an ADHD coach that a lot of studies have showed, you know, we talked about this in the last session, how sensitive and intuitive people with ADHD have and creative, we kind of find our unique ways to organize our socks and do this, but that also applies to how we feel and empathize and how we can relate to people. And so- it was amazing because when i have fights with my partner and there's things where i feel they you know she says oh you're so insensitive how can you not have empathy and and this or that and i'm like empathy you know it's a word and and i need to feel it i need to wire it so that i feel it so it was interesting to see that oh i've had all these things i just i have different words that i associate them to like that's what inhale exhale is to me it's remember you have the ability to let go of whatever is just stuck in you emotionally or whether you're like panicked about something in the future or the past that can't hurt you in the now, like those things, it's a tool. And that's everybody really, right? But like, that was the only way I actually understood like the benefit of what the inhale exhale does for me rather than just what everyone tells me. And there was just lots of things like that. And I think with every session, I use those tools from there. That was kind of the big one. And then session four, five, six, I just like, I don't think I did any exploration of bumping. It wasn't really about like pushing the limit. That's, I'm not that kind of person, you know, that's for somebody else. I was just- wanting to talk to me a little more and finding new ways to talk to me. And I, so I like, you know, I challenged myself. I, I came in with different moods and I would go, fuck, I'm a little stressed today. And I would hang out in that world and talk and I'd have moments. And one thing that happens is you just kind of, something can be so beautiful that you just cry, but it's like really complicated emotions. Like one thing I realized in the trip was, I just never had people tell me good job and also on a specific level, like maybe someone like my parents, they're Iranian, they're very loving, they're kissy. I'm very grateful for their biological nurturing, but they were never really like my friends and they never were curious about what was in my head, which I think a lot of parents of boomer generation are like that. But I just realized I never had people specifically call something out that I'm really good at. And I just remember crying intensely, not like cowering in the cry, but just being empowered with the knowledge and being also a parent to myself in that moment, you know, having this sort of immediate, when I felt that a parent emerged within me and was able to nurture me and be like, well, I can give you that. Your friends can give you that. People can give you that. Like, you don't have to like make up pop culture people to like be your meta parents or or whatever. Like it's, so there was just these amazing healing things that I found And a lot of them related to kind of the symptoms that I have associated with ADHD, some of them with my autism, but it was, it was very, I'm not going to say like, I recommend it. Like I'm not someone to say that, but it's like, if that's something that there's something to explore in finding a way to chill to the Mm -hmm. point of being free within that ADD, being creative. And I think that's kind of, on like an applicable level. Because I've told this story a while. This has been, I think, since, this has been about about six months ago. So when I've told this story to other people who have ADD, people who don't, the common thing I thought is like, we are kind of designed to be, I think, creative. But I think the reason we like creativity is actually, I believe, the free-flowing nature of it. The ability to just go do. So yes, we like the task orient. We love checking boxes. We love yeah. feeling reward and getting a dopamine and that we have trouble producing. Right. But we also need that other thing. We need the chaos, like the fun, not scary version of chaos, but the beautiful version of it. And there are answers in that. And I know that's like sort of abstract.
0: So I'm kind of like wow. seeing like it's, this was giving you a chance to like step back from yourself to like observe the observer kind of thing. Yeah. Because we often think of ourselves like in our body observing what we're doing. Yeah. But then that's a weird level of abstraction. But you can also like step back from that and be like, who is doing that observing? Yeah. I mean, I guess the best way to say it is imagine you're really
1: close to two people. Like your face is literally really close. And you're seeing two people get into I'm fighting you, You, me and you will or face to face. We're having (laughs) an argument. Now, imagine leaving your body and seeing you fight with Will. And suddenly you're like, oh, like, I can be objective now with these two people arguing, you know, that's kind of the equivalent of how objective you can be. I think, again, it's a little bit weirder and a little more like while this is happening, my body is being interesting. Like I kept apparently what I did and I don't remember this is I kept drawing an infinity sign with my head and I, and, and like, and and there was music playing and I think it was to the beat, but it was like, and maybe it was, I needed movement. I don't know, but it was a go-to motion that I've never done before. And it was fascinating. But there are the body things, which I think helped me kind of get out of thinking too much. But yeah, I think that you nailed it. I think it's like being objective and having this other kind of third party experience to yourself and to your issues, which a lot of, I think, medicinal psychedelics claim to do. And they do. I've had those experiences. But I think with ADHD, I cannot say any psychedelic or any sort of experimental and i I don't even want to say experimental this is a clinical thing that people do and it helps so i would say this is probably the first like clinical thing that i've done and the chemistry of things like ketamine things that do the opposite of working up your nervous system which is what the other psychedelics do i think there's something really interesting there and i was like whoa like i would not be surprised if this becomes something for people with adhd to like Help rewire the brain, help get connected with kind of not your true nature, but like getting connected with the value that your type of mind has and connecting with it in a way that I feel like, for example, like as a filmmaker, right? Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that I just naturally was drawn to a job being a director where you're part of a neuro tribe. Didn't even know what that word was when I was like watching Blade Runner for the first time when I was six or some Mm -hmm. shit but being drawn to this group of people where their brains are all uniquely wired. And so your job is to kind of make shit up. It's also to kind of be focused, but also create a situation of people helping you stay focused and be focused and bringing the focus. Like it's sort of the doing is a lot of other people, even though you're the sort of uh, guiding light or whatever. And I think that there is something about being at peace with that when I think a lot, a lot of people with, we I remember we talked again about this last time and there was a lot of people who messaged me on Instagram. I think I told you like a lot of people I still get people who listen to that interview, but like they listen to it and they, they ask me lots of questions. And it, I learned more from some of their questions and their stories. But I think people put the burden on themselves to not be people who have ADHD. And it's not you don't need to define yourself with ADHD. But I feel like associating ourselves to something that we just are not and Mm -hmm. doing it like less effectively doesn't make sense to me. And being taught that way and being taught to be the square peg or square square peg peg in the round round hole. hole. Yeah. Yeah, or something like that. Like we're trapezoids, dude. We're not square. We're not circle. We're just trapezoids, like weird amorphous shapes that just won't fit except for our own unique selves. So I think like a lot of that was my takeaway. And I think a lot of it was of realizing that like stimulants and things like that though I don't think I would go a day or I would but I wouldn't go many days I would go like 90% of my existence through every year is definitely with my stimulants and it's how I stay grounded and how I function and how I am task oriented but when I was doing on ketamine treatment I just was like there is a a less uh, brute force Doctors converted a diet pill into something that helps people with attention deficit disorder way. And I don't know what that is yet, but it's like it was the first glimpse of something that felt more gentle, less like not as long lasting and very clear. Ketamine is very hard to become addicted to. It's similar to like acid where it's also very hard to be addicted to mostly because it's not effective repeatedly. Like your body has to uh, climatize. And then, you know, like back to reality and then come back with acid, same thing. It's like a two to three weeks. So these are kind of things where there's no, there's not really abuse. Now there is the abuse in like, you know, rest in peace, Matthew Perry way, which was just him being irresponsible and doing therapy. It was a treatment, but he was in a bathtub, in a hot bathtub and he passed out, which you're not, you're supposed to be either laying down in a bar on a couch or on the ground. You can't do anything when you're doing ketamine. And so- yeah, it was just an interesting experience that I didn't think was going to go into the ADHD as much even though I did pitch that to you mm-hmm. as something I wanted to explore. It was kind of amazing how like I almost forgot about it going into them and they just it just showed up. It was this beautiful thing um that I felt and thinking about everybody who messaged me after we chatted like about just kind of not being able to put into words like what they were experiencing and and I think that's, you know, again, like it's your own words your words are unique everybody thinks in different ways and stuff and I think that that's something interesting
0: yeah and I mean I'm also like hearing like hints of masking in here I know for a while when I was doing some therapy stuff it's like who am I without the mask kind of thing like Mm -hmm. I've been masking for so long that's who I am and then it sounds like this you can go and go hey let's take a look (laughs) who are you without the mask
1: Yeah. Interesting. I guess, let me ask you, like for you, from your experience, is the mask slowly removing? Does the mask go on and off all the time? Or was there like one moment where you go, oh shit, the mask is off?
0: Well, I mean, I haven't tried any of this. So there is general that experience that. Yeah. I think I'm still waiting to see the mask completely come off. There's a lot of trauma and stuff in my background where I'm just like, oh yeah, there's just like all this people pleasing and trying to be, the person that I think the other person wants me to be. And then, you know, once I'm alone being like, is this the authentic me now? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not relating to anyone else in that situation. I'm going, trying to figure out where I exist on my own versus my existence with someone else that I'm relating to. Are you talking kind of about like
1: differentiation kind of stuff?
0: Yeah. Like how I would be, if I had none of the mask on, how would I exist? Would I still be doing all these activities and things? Would I because so like coming into 2024, I'm going, OK, what do I want to do? And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I want. Like, do I want to keep doing these things? Maybe. But does that make me happy or am I doing it because it's what's I'm supposed to be doing? Mm hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, like it sounds like differentiation a little bit, but it also just sounds like so I had that thought when I did when I remember when I did like ayahuasca in like 2017. I remember hearing stories of people who just like completely change. And I remember just going in really just believing like, I will change how I look at whatever I do will change. But I have the strong feeling if there's anything I believe strongly, especially I think in general with people with ADHD is we have a strong intuition of what we're drawn to even if we know it and don't know it, there's like, that's part of that chaos. Like we are drawn to just naturally what interests us and what stimulates us. And so, you know, I think all the same stuff will apply, but there'll be a new version of maybe how much it's important, why it's important changes maybe, you know, like even becoming a filmmaker, like my rationale for why I do it changed and stuff. But I would say, yeah, like that's, I mean, that's a very powerful thing. I'm still waiting for all of it to come off. I think that's kind of what, the journey is for most people I think everyone has to wear masks I think we're all weirdos in the best way possible sometimes the worst but I'd like to say mostly the best way possible and I think we're all just learning how to engage and create like a unified way of engaging with each other and I think there's a lot of pressure with people with ADHD to like feign not having ADHD yeah or to like people please and constantly just chase you know a shame or the the wall of awful, right? Yeah. Uh, one of your shows like that's to me, it's weird to think that that's part of the mask. But the I think the mask causes the behavior, right? The yeah. real you has those real things and those real traumas. Yeah, that's interesting. I would say that for me, the mask, I think I have seen the mask removed mm-hmm. for like moments like that, that session, session three, <laughs> I think session three, when the mask came off, I saw me, it was like, gentle, playful, lots of humor while also being wise and really like, I don't know why I'm using the word clean, but I mean by clean, it's like a design term that I use, but it just means like, you know, just minimal with verbiage, you know, and very careful with the words, like not o- overly big, just simple, keep it simple, stupid kind of vibes. And it was just like, wow, how can this mask cause so much complication in my life when the truth is so simple? And I think we all have these like Moments, whether we're driving in our car or whatever, where we just see the clarity. And yes, sometimes it happens right after we drop our stimulants, but like mm-hmm. there are times where you're like, I don't even have a stimulant in me and I'm feeling this, you know? And I think that, like, those, I think that for me, I think I've seen it without the mask. And yes, I think on a regular daily basis, not doing any sort of therapy, just like walking, going to the store, going to a meeting today or whatever, like, Part of the mask comes off, part of it goes away, part of it comes back on. So there's a constant, like, I have to remember to take it off. You know what I mean? Or remember to take, you know, or if I'm still not comfortable with this guy coming off, I got to take the bottom part of my mouth, you know, off or something like, yeah, that mask removal is interesting. And I think that's a great analogy. Like I saw in the mirror without my mask and it was only 40 minutes. And then the mass came back or a part of the mass came slowly kept coming, you know, going back on. So that's an interesting thing. And I wonder if in any of your shows, have you kind of spoken with people who are exploring kind of just like what this I mean, not just what this medication does, we know what it does, but like alternative things beyond medication, like obviously there's diet and things like that. But I mean, something that that you would ingest or something natural or something like, like say an example that we all know is meditating. Have there been any, anybody that you've spoken with where they explore those things?
0: Next week, I'm talking about someone with meditation, but what's coming to mind now is I just start finished work on an episode about the gut microbiome and how that affects our brain. And I don't know, we didn't get super heavy into how, that, but there is a lot of science behind how Our stomachs control a lot of how our brain works in weird ways. But some scientists are like, yeah, it's we're along for the ride with our gut flora. They make the major decisions. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting when people say
1: go with your gut. And, you know, in a lot of like Asian cultures, they have the mind, the heart and the gut. You know, they have Mm a third thing that we never that in the Western society we don't use is like, you know, a saying. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, they a lot they say a lot of like, you know, if you've done if you ever seen like body map, like I remember going into ref- a reflexologist and like there was the whole map of like, you know, the when you feel pain here, it's like overwork and you feel lower back pain. It's shame when you feel like stomach pain or you get IBS, there's a lot of uh, stress overburdening yourself, things like that. And so, you know, even though that blows my mind and it kind of trips me out that like we have these like organisms that are like affecting us, like we're sort of like <laughs> parasites or something, yeah. but it doesn't also surprise me, which is weird, you know, even though like the my imagination is really like, whoa, about it. I think that that is interesting, but I would love to know something that we can have control, not control, but we can guide in a way, because I do think like we are the first generation of people diagnosed with ADHD last 30 years or something or 25 years or whatever, uh, where we're just kind of, we're in for the ride. But unfortunately I think Western medicine has, is what put us on that roller coaster. So it's like, what, what other avenues? And I, and I know a lot of people who don't take meds in a very intentional way and do other things and seeing them in check, you again, like, I don't know what, you know, what their brain is like, so we can't really compare. We're yeah. not all tit for tat, you know, kind of stuff. I think it just made my brain be like, I don't think stimulants are sustainable. I think that we will see, you know, I started when I was 12. I think we'll all see as we get older, the effects it's having on us. And I can't find it really, sadly. I can't find the really significant research that people are doing for it. And the gut biome thing sounds dope. And maybe, maybe they'll find a way where ingesting pro- certain probiotics or something it can affect you, you know, and I know some people microdose, some people do things like that, but like, you know, that's, that's still an explorative way that's not accessible for majority of people with ADHD. And i kind of walked away with it basically being like, if anybody that's listening, I guess, like likes to explore that way, then I think it's a very interesting way, as long as you're doing it professionally, and you're doing you're doing the homework for it. Not something to go into lightly. (laughs) No, and not at all. And I think also in like most states, you still can't do it. So I think it would be I don't know what states they are. But like, I think like New York, LA, I think like Oregon, I think is like like that. There's some, some places I think Texas is surprisingly, I think. But yeah, I think that yeah, not going in lightly. But I definitely you know, if that's something you want to do, you're interested or curious about, I would say stay curious about it. If you are a like psychonaut or a warrior that likes to explore, jump in, have fun. But I think for others, I think what I might take away on an applicable level that I bring to my daily life from that experience that I try to remember is that like, that free flowing nature that we kind of fight against, especially if you have a family, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, you've got tasks, you've got children, you've got structure that's required of you, really trying to find that time to just like be loose. Like I think everybody with ADHD needs to find creative and free-flowing outlets. Absolutely, I I think that without it, it's damaging. I think it really is damaging to not be able to do that. And I know, Will, you talked about kind of what you like doing and kind of how you find creativity in what you do. And yes, there's the exercise and we talk about the biology all the time, but I do think giving ourselves permission to do what our brains are dope at it needs to happen more and I, th- I think that is why people encourage the creativity i i think it's really whatever you do it's like you know like the malcolm in the middle meme right where he fixes fucking thing after yeah. thing like allow yourself to do that you know and don't judge it like at the end of the day i actually believe you are happy from it as long as you're feeding yourself and you stay regulated and you're not hard on yourself and know if someone else judges you for not getting anything done in four hours, like they're not you, they don't get it, you know? But without saying, just take it easy on yourself. I think it's like, give yourself permission to let that part out.
0: Absolutely. That's it, well, for this week at least. Next week, I'll be bringing the second half of this conversation where we talk about flow, navigating emotional states, self compassion, and just maybe how we can work on unlocking your brain's full potential. Or not. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you'll enjoy next week's as well. Thanks to Saman for coming on the show, and thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. And while this episode did focus on Saman's experience using ketamine, the top tips are not going to cover any of that. I'm absolutely not going to go and tell you to seek out this treatment. That's something that's up for you to decide on your own and your own interpretation of what you need. I will add, though, that if you want to go down this particular rabbit hole, that you'd come at it cautiously and that you do so with medical supervision. With that said, this episode's top tips. One, it's important for us to understand that the way we treat our ADHD is not one-size-fits-all, and that there are a variety of ways that we can work on treating our ADHD. While medication is an effective first step, we also want to be looking at other ways that we can improve our mental function with things like exercise, diet, and other stuff like meditation. Two, recognize and celebrate the strengths and perspectives ADHD can add to your life, rather than just focusing solely on its challenges. And while there is no question that there are challenges, if we can recognize the unique ways our ADHD brains navigate the world, we can try and celebrate those strengths and perspectives that add so much to our life. Three, understand the importance of allowing flexibility in your routines to accommodate your ADHD brain's need for variation and stimulation. It's important that we allow for these variations so that we don't get stuck in our own thoughts. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode feel free to connect with me over at HackingYourADHD.com contact. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can go to the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com 148. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do so is to tell somebody about the show, especially if you think they'd like a particular episode. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send it over to them. Or you can consider supporting me on Patreon. Just go to HackingYourADHD.com Patreon to find out more. And now for your moment of dad. Sometimes bakers will feel a sudden rush of joy while they're making bread. That's when the dough, mean hits.